Hello and welcome to the Private Library Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today we are going to be reading from Gumbo Yaya. It's basically just a uh, collection of short stories about folk tales coming from Louisiana. Uh, there's a lot of actually very, very creepy like voodoo type stuff in this book that I was reading earlier. Very dark themes and undertones. It's so dark that I don't even know if it's podcast material per se. But um, you guys should let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. Because I definitely definitely would consider it. There, It's very interesting. I just don't know if it's podcast material. But like I said, let me know if that's something you guys would be into. Some creepy voodoo type stuff. But um, today we're going to be reading a story called Buried Treasure. It's basically just about a few different pieces of buried treasure throughout Louisiana that uh, that are guarded by spirits. And then at the end, we have a uh, a a, a ba- basically a snipping from a from the Picayune Times in 1930, and uh, it's just a collection of some real life treasure hunting stories. So that's at the end of this this little chapter, and uh, I think it's really interesting. So we'll definitely go through that as well. But uh, today's episode should be pretty fun pretty laid back, Uh, but uh, as always, no matter where you are or what you're going through, you're in the library now, and I really appreciate you stopping by. Let's get into it. Buried Treasure There sure is plenty of treasure buried in Louisiana, but you gotta be careful of them spirits. They do some funny things. I knew one real well that would come to my house all the time. He would get behind a door and milk a towel, and all the cows in the neighborhood would go dry. That is the warning of Gaston Lecoq, who has spent years searching for buried wealth. But Gaston knows how to handle these guardian phantoms. You have to take a spirit controller with you, he says, and you have to be a mixed crowd, some white and some colored. You see, when your controller talks to the ghost, that thing's going to say a white or colored man should dig. And it means one or the other has to do all the work. That's the way it goes. All buried treasure has got spirits watching over it. Like Lafitte. You know how he used to do? He would take five or six men along to hide his stuff. And he would tell them all but one who he was going to have killed. The one he picked was the one that would be the spirit to watch his treasure forever. After they buried all the gold and silver and jewels... Lafitte would say, very quiet, Now, who's going to guard my stuff? And the man who didn't know no better would want to shine with his boss, and he'd say, I will. Then he would get killed. Of course, Lafitte didn't shoot him himself. He was the general, and he always stayed in the back. You know how generals don't never get near to where the shooting is at. Gaston's spirit controller is named Tom Pimpton, and he's a colored man. He has been hunting for treasure for years, too, and is one of the best controllers in the state. Practically, all his knowledge, you see, has come from the book Hoyle, the Book of Moses, Little Albert, and the Long Lost Friend. He purchased these mystic volumes from a Sears Roebuck catalog, and he considers them priceless, for you can hardly buy them nowadays. Tom devotes himself exclusively to the supernatural angle of the treasure-hunting business. 
It just masters them spirits, he says. I don't dig. Anybody can do that. I just fights the spirits. There ain't none of them can mess with me. There's land spirits and there's water spirits. And you gotta know how to talk to both kinds. The land spirits is bad and the water spirits is good. They got seven kinds of land spirits. That's part of the trouble. There's bulls, lions, dogs, babies, snakes, persons, and pearls. When you see a cat, that's a bad one. And if you ain't careful, your hole's gonna lap up water right as you dig. You gotta be careful and you gotta be clean. You gotta suffer, too. The man's gotta suffer and the woman's gotta suffer. You sure can't touch no woman, not even your wife, for four days before you start out. If something is wrong, he knows it right away. You can't ever fool a spirit. Your treasure is sure to start sinking and slipping, and once it sinks, it ain't coming up again for seven years. Last time I was out, you know a fool man done gone and forgot and left his buzz tobacco in his pocket. You can't be careless like that and expect to find treasure. Sometimes when your treasure slips, you can tie it up, but you gotta use white silk thread. Ain't nothing else gonna hold it. When you go out and use your divining rod for finding a machine until you knows where the treasure is at. Then you drive sticks in the ground in a circle and stretches a clothesline around it. Never use no wire. Your ring's gotta be thirteen feet to the east, thirteen feet to the south, thirteen feet to the west, and thirteen feet to the north. You leaves a gate in the east side for your men to come through. Then you closes it up. Once your men's get inside that ring, nobody can't talk. Nobody can't sweat. Nobody can't spit. And don't let nobody throw dirt outside that ring, because that brings bad spirits. Soon as I get my men's in the ring, I anoint them on the forehead with a special delivery oil. That oil's expensive. It costs me $5 an ounce. You see, I won't mess with none of them cheap oils that have been diluted. After everybody had been anointed, I reads the 23rd Psalm, and with them all joining hands and repeating the words after me. When I reads the 91st Psalm to myself. Next, I gotta read page 87 and page 53 from the Book of Moses. Page 53 has got the Master's seal on it, and you gotta know that by heart. Sometimes I take liquor along when I go out. Some spirits take liquor. They is called the drunken spirits. I done dug up plenty of treasure in my time. I just made up my budget the other day and I needs forty thousand dollars. I'll get it easy. Shucks, that ain't no money. Me and my friend of mine dug up sixty-five thousand dollars apiece over in Gretna one day. Had a big snake standing straight up in the air over it. He was tall as me and big enough for around a hug. I just walked up and talked to it like it was a baby, and it crawled away. Underneath, we found a great big mess of gold. The best treasure I ever found was a diamond the size of a brick, out of the banquet. It was wrapped in kid skin and had Lafitte's name carved in it. It was worth about $1.5 million, and it was setting in a kettle of $5 million worth of gold coins. I spent all that on my wife. When she was sick and I just saved enough out of it to marry this here wife I got now. It's an easy way to get money but you sure gotta be careful. 
When you was digging, funny things happen. Trees begin to fall, and fences come tumbling down, and the whole earth shakes and makes a loud rumbling sound. Spirits don't ever like to give up their treasure. Louisianians have been dreaming and finding buried wealth for years, and practically everybody believes there is much to be found. The first white settlers found Indian tribes wearing massive ornaments of gold and silver. When they began to murder the Indians for their trinkets, the valuables promptly vanished. Pirates operated for years in the Gulf of Mexico and through the maze of Louisiana bayous, supposedly burying loot on every island and in every swamp. Rich wagon trains are reported to have been lost in the swamps, too. Along the coast, gold-laden ships were wrecked. Plantation owners fleeing Union troops during the war between the states committed family wealth to the comparative safety of the earth. Everybody in the state has a great-grandmother who sunk the silver plate in the well and buried caskets of jewels in the backyard. It is all wonderful and appeals to the getting-something-for-nothing desire in human nature. All these things await the treasure hunter, and if he can perform the tasks, many try. Some just go out and dig. Others employ systems as elaborate and as detailed as Tom Pipton's. Leaving it to luck seems actually to be the most profitable method. At Shell Beach on Lake Bourne, children playing near the water's edge found Spanish coins mingled with the shells. At Thompson's Creek near McManus, doubloons coined during the reign of Charles IV were found in a gravel pit. A farmer near Ruston shattered his plow blade on an old iron chest which showered forth more than a thousand coins. Another farmer in Avoyla's parish uncovered an iron pot filled with three thousand gold pieces. A fisherman on Barataria Island removing flagstones from the fireplace of a deserted house discovered a tin box beneath in which were doubloons, jewelry, and a silver image of the Virgin. Cutting down trees in Opelousus, a citizen turned up 485 gold pieces of Spanish origin. There was an epidemic of digging in Pecan Island in 1925 after some bragged of finding coins there and searchers even uprooted giant oak trees. One man searched on Kelso's Island for more than 20 years, firmly believing Jean Lafitte had buried immense wealth there. Pierre Rameau of his chasse or screech owls, a notorious band of buccaneers, had their base of operations at Honey Island. Wounded while fighting in the Battle of New Orleans, both arms rendered useless, Rameau escaped to a plantation home owned by friends. Here, however, he met a man named Vasseur, once an associate but now his mortal enemy. Vasseur sprang at him with a knife, crying, Die, Pierre Rameau, die, die. Rameau kicked out and sent Vasseur sprinting across the room. Then, crashing through the door, he fled to a nearby swamp. Days later, his body was recovered. Of course, it is believed much treasure was buried on Honey Island by the Screech Owls, and once two hunters stumbled over an iron chest filled with Mexican money dating from 1827 and worth about $1,000. These coins must have been caked on the island long after Rameau's demise, yet there was an immediate and feverish rush to the spot. Nothing else was ever found. 
John Patorno of New Orleans is probably the most scientific treasure seeker in the state and the most practical. Patorno has invented a mechanism to locate treasure, a radio device with an affinity for non-magnetic metals. And this he rents together with his services for $25 a day. He has done a thriving business. When the Algiers ferry pilot named Clark found a map showing the location of buried Lafitte loot on Coca Island, he went to Patorno for assistance. An investigation seemed to give credence to the existence of the treasure. More than a century ago, said legend, two of Lafitte's henchmen deposited several chests of silver on the island, then staged a drunken brawl. When it was over, one of the buccaneers was dead and the other not far from it. A fisherman nursed the injured man back to health, and in gratitude, the pirate gave him the map, showing where the chests were buried. This the fisherman passed down to his descendants, and it was from one of those that Clark had attained it. Clark, Batorno, and a group of assistants set out for Coca Island at once. This island was not easily reached, and even after landing, it was days before they found the spot. Then the Patorno diviner began to buzz. Excavations were begun, but the soft and sandy soil presented a formidable problem, often filing with slimy water as soon as he dug. Tom Pipton would have said that there was a ghost cat or something of the sort about. On the third day, the whole side of a pit gave way and two old and two of the men, caught in an avalanche of mud and sand, narrowly escaped being killed. Rather than risk lives, Patorno refused to continue the search after that. So, if legend and the map told the truth, treasure still lies buried on Coca Island. More of Jean Lafitte's loot is supposed to be hidden in the Mississippi Bluffs near Baton Rouge. A farmer digging there enjoyed a golden moment of elation when his spade struck... What appeared to be an old chest turned out to be an old coffin with nothing inside but a skeleton. Grand Isle, where this innumerable myths of Grand Isle, where this most famed Louisiana buccaneer had headquarters, has naturally innumerable myths of buried gold. But Niblet's Bluff near Lake Charles tops tops them all with the display of a huge sign reading. Lafitte buried his treasure beneath forty gum trees here. Tales of hidden Lafitte treasures increase from year to year. On the other hand, authorities agree the Lafitte was without funds when he departed from the Louisiana scene, and that it is decidedly unlikely that he would have left such immense wealth behind. Residents of Calisso Parish have tried many times to find the lost mine of Wyndham Creek, subject to one of the best-known stories of the De Quincey section. Early pioneers told yarns of the Indian-owned gold mine somewhere along Wyndham Creek. Many persons have searched in vain. There are no more red men in the section, and their secret, if any, died with them. At the turn of the 20th century, men hunting for the mine were found brutally murdered. Even now, a woman living in Lunita claims to have wandered into a gold mine one day while lost in the woods. She has never been able to retrace her steps, though she has tried many times. In 1924, scores of individuals dug in Lakeside Park at Shreveport after a rumor spread of a pirate gold to be there. 
A Negro claimed to have been seen to have seen a man carry off twenty thousand dollars worth of coins. When the city decided to create a park on their site, their principal job was filling holes left by the searchers. The New Orleans Daily Picayune of April 1st, 1869, told an amazing story of a treasure trove in New Orleans' Jackson Square. The newspaper said that the evening before, two citizens were conversing near the equestrian statue of General Jackson when he noticed what appeared to be a small iron pin in the seam of one of the granite blocks. Putting his cane against it, a wooden putting his cane against a wooden door, painted to blend with the marble, swung open and within was a vault about five feet square, literally crammed with gold and silver coins, even nuggets. Scattered about were watches, jewelry, and unset gems. An open casket overflowed with diamonds, emeralds, and other pe- precious stones. The newspaper asked, Was this the hiding place of a gang of thieves? Is it worth noting that the story appeared April 1st, April Fool's Day? However, most treasure hunting in Louisiana is a serious matter, and not to be approached in any haphazard manner. But it is harrowing occurrences, which have... But it is brimful of rules and superstitions. When you note the strange and harrowing occurrences which have taken place, you can't blame experts like Tom Pimpton for not taking chances by using a wrong procedure. A bunch of us gathered to dig in a certain place just after midnight, said one New Orleans man. Suddenly, chickens started coming out of the hole we had made. First come a rooster, crowing to beat hell. Then he vanished in a puff of smoke. Then the chickens come, one by one, every one of them vanishing just like the rooster. Last of all, a horse came trotting right out of the ground. He was breathing smoke and had fire coming out of his eyes and ears. We left after that. The treasure can stay put for all I care. When I got married, I worked a fork-tailed coat, said Wilkinson Jones, native to McDougganville. Me and my wife had a teal, had a real nice wedding. Her name was Emma, but I tell you, the spirits had been bothering me all my life, and after I got married, they seemed to be worse. Still, I think you need them when you go treasure hunting. If you let spirits tell you where the treasure is, and that and that it's okay to dig it up, you ain't facing much trouble. But if you just head out without asking them, you're making things bad for yourself. There ain't no treasure anywhere that ain't got its spirit watching it. One time, I was digging for Lafitte's treasure in that old shell pile down by Lake Salvador. And I had an evil-hearted man with me. I should have known better than to take him long, but you know how it is. Anyway, we dug until we hit one of them old-time iron chests. Right then, the spirits started coming running out of that hole, whooping and hollering. We never went back there. Anytime you dig for treasure, you are bound to meet spirits. And you never seen one before you gonna then. A story prevalent around Hubbardville tells of a planter's burying much tells of a planter's burying much money and silver plate before departing for the war between the states. When he did not return, the abandoned slaves who had buried the wealth for their master decided to dig it up. They went to the spot and one jabbed his shovel into the earth. Great flames shot heavenward. The Negroes fled, and, if the story is true, 
The wealth still lies beneath the plantation soil. Legends of pirates wandering up the Ponchatoula River have brought searchers to that section. Once a white man and two negroes dug a deep hole in a certain place. Suddenly a hoarse voice began to scream and curse, emanating them from this chasm, and the men departed the scene in haste. In this section of the state, jack-o'-lanterns, the elusive phosphorescent swamp lights, are common and are here believed to lead to buried pirate gold. The superstitions connected with this business of treasure hunting are numerous. The following are the ones most religiously believed and followed. The best day to find treasure is the second day of the full moon. The best time to dig for treasure is during a full moon. The best time of day to dig is between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. If you talk, spit, curse, or sweat while digging, you will find none. A sleepwalker will eventually lead you to buried treasure. Lights bobbing up and down in the swamps will lead you to treasure. Lights bumping up and down in the stomps will just get you lost. <laughs> a dream of a light over a spot means treasure is there. Lights are liable to appear wherever there is treasure. If treasure is buried with a rooster's head, the rooster will crow when the rightful heir to the wealth approaches the spot. No one who has ever shed blood can hope to find treasure. A certain Mr. Bald of Bogolza gave warning against overlooking that last rule. Well, when you go out looking for treasure, said Mr. Bald, you got to take a sounding rod, someone who can talk to spirits, and a Bible. Don't never go with a murderer. Me and five other fellows went into a house went went into an old house near here once that was haunted and so bound to have money hidden somewhere into somewhere in it. We found a trap door in the dining room floor. There were steps going down and after the man who knew spirits knocked to see if any was around, we started going down those steps. We got just about halfway when the place began to fill with water. I don't know where it came from. I got so high, it got so high we had to turn back. Just then we see a big rat run across the top of the water. The man who knew rats, er, the man who knew spirits, said that rat was a spirit, and that someone among us must be a murderer. We all looked at each other hard, but of course, nobody would admit he was the one. So we all had to leave. Divining rods of various types are used as aids in locating treasure. Mechanical devices of all kinds are invented for the same purpose. Many persons advertise their particular me mechanism for sale or for rent. For instance, the New Orleans Times Picayune ran the following in its personal column on March 12, 1930. Treasure Hunters Buried treasure accurately located by radio device. Reasonably priced. Portable and simple to operate. Free demonstration. R.D. Butchard, 816 American Bank Building. There is some disagreement as to the virtues of types of divining rods. Tom Pimpton says, The best divining rod is a piece of steel about a, long, a yard long and as thick as a broomstick. It's sort of like a magnet, and when it is placed in the ground where the treasure is at, it bends itself over like. You sure got treasure then. 
Eugene Mumford, colored worker at the New Orleans French Market, says, A branch from a witch hazel tree and a fork at the end is what I always use. It makes a better divining rod and steel, and you can use it to find either treasure or water. Go right along with it in your hand, and as you stick it in the ground and sound the earth. If that branch weaves to and fro, there's water or treasure there. But probably the most remarkable of all is the one used in St. John the Baptist Parish. A colored resident explained, A real divining rod is a piece of iron just like a rod in an iron bed, except it's got little pieces of iron sticking out on one end. You just set it up in the ground in front of you, and it starts hopping along, and all you got to do is follow it. When it gets to a place where treasure is, it's going to start jumping up and down over that one spot. Then you start your digging. Each one is positive his divining rod is the best, and all the others practically no good at all. As Tom Pimpton says, Hell, some of them divining rods ain't good for nothing but finding old toilets. Table of Buried Treasure in Louisiana Ruins at Old Fort <laughs> Old Fort at Barakhtara 1841. El Cuanubo, a fisherman needing bricks for a furnace on which to boil kettles of pitch, removed a flagstone from an old fireplace and found a box containing Spanish doubloons, gold earrings, and a silver image of the Virgin. Coilon Island, 1851. Rumors spread that $20,000 in gold was found here that year. Bayou Chicot. September 1851. Fritz Lertz, cutting down trees, found coins in German mintage, mostly dated 1823. There were about 300 of them, each worth $4.85. Bro Bridge. Death keeps the secret of the lost treasure here. In the early 19th century, slaves murdered their master, Narcisse Thibodeau, and fled with his gold. Captured by irate white men of this section, the nine Negroes were forced to dig a deep trench and were shot and buried therein. It was not until some time afterward that, checking the gold, it was discovered that one whole sack was missing, and its whereabouts now hidden forever. Corner of Orleans and Bourbon Street, New Orleans, 1859 an impoverished charcoal peddler, repairing the flooring in his home, found a box containing 1,500 doubloons, dating from the Lafitte era. Highway between Covenant and Lutcher Along here is an Indian mound 50 feet high. Silverware and other valuables from nearby plantations were buried here during the war between the states, it is said. Yet men once dug more than 40 feet and found only bones and palmetto leaves. Grand Accor, near Nachitos. Much wealth is believed to have been buried in this vicinity during the occupation of Union forces. Western Isle of the Chandelier Group, 1871. A man was drowned here that year trying to find three chests of Spanish doubloons and some rough diamonds. For three generations, his family had unceasingly sought the supposedly pirate loot, claiming to have positive proof of its existence. Isle de Gombe. It has long been believed that buccaneers buried great wealth here.
Lyncium. A party of men carrying a vast amount of gold through the Louisiana wilderness in the early days were here set upon by Indians. To travel faster and to escape, the gold was hastily buried. But before the end of the journey, the men quarreled and fought among themselves, and all were killed. The gold has yet to be found. Banks of the Tensas River A Colonel Frisbee was building a mansion, mansion here. When the war between the states broke out, he ordered a wagon load of gold buried near the half-completed house. It has never been recovered, and folk in the neighborhood believe it to be guarded by the phantom of a giant black panther. Grand Isle Jean Lafitte's headquarters, it's and so presumed to conceal many caches of treasures. Nothing has ever been found. Marksville, Evoyela's Parish Valuables are believed to be buried on the site of, the, of an Indian village. One man spent years constructing an elaborate mechanism to locate the treasure, but had no success. Also, near here, a farmer uncovered an iron pot in this field which contained 3,000 pieces of silver. Perlange Plantation, Point Coupe Parish A planter buried $300,000 worth of silver here during the war between the states, a part of which has never been recovered. Honey Island, St. Tammany Parish, 1907 Two hunters found chests containing Mexican coins worth $1,000. Fairfield Plantation, Jefferson Parish As Admiral Faragut came up the river during the war between the states, a planter buried his valuables in the Batures nearby. In 1928, a mysterious dark lady with a tattered map staged a search, but with no success. Wyndham Creek, Beauregard Parish The famous Lost Mine of Wyndham Creek Mississippi Bluffs at Baton Rouge A farmer digging here where Lafitte is said to have buried treasure hit what at first appeared to be an old chest, but turned about only to be a coffin with a skeleton inside. Bertoud Cemetery, Barataria very old, as it is supposedly built over an Indian mound. Many people have dug here, but so far as is known, have no, have found nothing. Homa, Terrebonne Parish. Men dug near here one day, returned the next to find the holes mysteriously filled. The same thing happened four or five days in succession, and the men became frightened and gave up. Old Bed of the Red River near Dixie, 1914. Jake Shelton of Hoston, digging in the mud for fishing bait, struck the trade boat Monterey, long buried there. He hoped for gold, but found only cowbells, dog chains, and a barrel that had once held pickled pork. Ruston, 1916. John Skinner, farmer, found a chest in his field holding a thousand old coins of German, Mexican, and Spanish mintage, some dating back to 1777. Jefferson Island, 1923. An unknown number of silver coins were found here by a Negro. Pecan Island, 1925. After a report of treasure found here, Searches practically dug up the entire place. Even huge oak trees were ripped out of the ground. Bogalusa, Washington Parish. 
A certain man consulted Carey May King, a fortune teller, regarding a peculiar mark on the ground and was told that treasure was buried there. But she also said he would have bad luck if he tried to dig it up. The man would not attempt to find it and refused to divulge its location to any less superstitious person. Calicuja Parish, 1929 Coins said to amount to at least $75,000 were found in the dry bed of the Calcaso River. They were believed to have been hidden there by a planter of the war between the states period. Louisiana and Arkansas Railroad Tracks near Baton Rouge, 1929 Twenty-one Spanish doubloons are found in a load of gravel. Negro section hands shot craps for the coins. Shell Beach, Lake Bourne, 1931. Children playing on the beach picked up coins dated 1800. The money was believed lost. When U.S. war vessels were sunk by the British as General Pacman advanced to New Orleans. Naval Station, Algiers, 1935. John Patorno's divining machine located two caches of coins, one worth $500 and the other 800 If you're still listening to this, I really appreciate you uh, sticking around for the whole thing, and I'm glad you seemingly enjoyed it. Uh, love you guys.